Welcome back to FinTalk brought to you by Vermo. Here we discuss pressing topics in FinTech, RegTech, covering regulatory, collateral and digital across banking and insurance and finance. Vermo has been proud to deliver innovative software solutions in the industry with stability and cost efficiency for our global Rostock clients. With over 20 years of trusted transformation in finance and insurance, we're bringing industry's top expertise to FinTalk. I'm Jared Actor and I'll be your host for this podcast. Welcome back to FinTalk, brought to you by Vermec. I'm Jared Akta, your host. Today I have with me Andrew Turvey. Andrew is Director of Prudential Risk at Belmont Green and also Chair of Data Transformation Programme. Hi, Andrew. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very good, thank you. Good to be in the studio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Great to be on the podcast. Thank you. So today we're going to talk a bit about, so you know, you were kind enough to be on our Future Fit briefing conference that you did in Q1, yes. you were kind enough to share information about the transforming data collection, which I'm going yes. to call TDC, and the progress that it's had. Yeah. So I just kind of want to talk a bit more about that before before we dive into it. And for the listeners that don't know you, it'd be good to kind of say a few words, really, well, about yourself and, and your journey into share of data transformation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So as, as you said, my, my day job is I'm, I'm Director of Prudential Risk at Belmont Green. So we're a 1.7 billion non-bank mortgage lender. But over my career, I've worked for a number of different banks and building societies in a variety of finance and risk management roles. Always throughout the different roles that I've had, data has been a very key part of that role. So whether that's to do with reporting, management reporting, statutory reporting, reg reporting, whether it's to risk management. And I've implemented a number of data-heavy systems as well. So treasury systems, ALM systems, et cetera, reg reporting systems as well. So my involvement in the, in the Bank of England's data transformation program this is something they set up a couple of years ago. And the idea was, is they wanted to bring the regulators together with the industry. So both regulators, so both the Bank of England, PRA and the FCA, to bring that jointly with industry and work on how, how can you transform data collection? And data collection is basically what they call, what we call reg reporting. Mm. So if you think about it, it's, it's the other way around. So how they get their, their data. And what they recognize is that there are, there are a lot of legacy processes in place at the moment. And a lot of things that are being done in terms of data collection, reg reporting, which aren't optimal and don't take full advantage of all the opportunities with the new technologies that, that, that exist today. So they set up this 10-year program, so a very long-term program, very vision-led long-term program, where what they want to do is work through these and come up with transformative change. So this isn't just about sort of making incremental change at the edge. This is about really, really moving the dial in quite a radical way on the whole approach to data collection. Just before dive into the questions, I know there was you did quite you did quite a long presentation on on what it is and how it how it comes. And I just want to break it down and just dive into a couple of questions that were an interesting that came up during that session. Sure. Firstly, for those that, those that don't know about the data transformation program, we need to dive into just a bit more about what it is and why it's come. You know, why is it a ten year program? Well, it, the, the reason why it's a 10-year program is because there's an understanding that actually making fundamental changes to reg reporting is going to take time. There's, there's quite an enormous landscape of, of different reg reporting that happens across, the, across all, the, all, all the regulators. So it's not something that could ever be, be, be delivered in a, in a short period of time. So, so by giving it 10 years, that allows it space to, to consider those more radical and, and game-changing changes which couldn't be delivered in a, in, a, in a one or two year time horizon. But at the same time, there's a recognition that if you've got a 10 year program 
Um, the, the difficulty is, is that if you're sort of two, three, four years into that program, before you start to see any benefits, people start to lose confidence. So, so how do people know that it's on track? That, that, that how, do, how do people maintain that confidence, both in the industry and of course in the regulators as well, that it actually is going to deliver that, that vision? So what they've come up with is this idea of a use case based approach. And so in the first, in the first stage of the project, which is going to be for the first few years, the idea is that you look at very specific areas of regulatory reporting. So, so last year, one of the things that was selected was what was what's called Form DQ. So it's a very specific piece of statistical reporting that the Bank of England does. And the idea was is that we looked at that in specific detail, deconstructed it, understood what all the problems were with, with that regulatory return, interviewed a lot of people across the, across the industry, both in terms of users of the report on the regulatory side, and also compilers of the report on firm side, and, and really came up with what are the problems, what are the solutions, what are the ways of making this better, and then came up with a set of recommendations, which the industry committees then then agreed to and, and sent to the regulators, and the regulators then decided how to respond, and they, they accepted the recommendations that we made, and they're now implementing the, 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 the responses to those. Now, of course, that's not going to move the dial. That's not going to transform regulation, because it's just one tiny, yeah. tiny return. So the idea then is that that's, that's your first stage of the, of, the, of the data transformation project, you know, focusing on those individual use cases. And then you move into the second stage, which we're, we're at, on, the, on the cusp of at the moment, where you actually start to scale that up and you start to say, right, okay, we've got these ideas, we've tested them, we've implemented them on a small scale. It really makes a difference. It really helps, helps people, whether that's giving the, the, the regulators better quality data or whether that's cutting costs and improving processes on the on the firm side so having learned those those big ideas which which have been tested now let's roll those out across the whole reporting landscape and that second stage where you look at the scaling uh, that that's as i said that's what we're on the cusp of now and that's what we're working through in terms of how that how that's going to work for that next stage and you can you can see why if you take that approach why yeah. you, you end up needing the whole the whole 10 years to actually deliver that genuine transformation yeah and uh, 10 years that sounds that's like a lot of time, right? Yeah. But it, will, it does fly by. Yes. I, I just want to move through the process now. So you say, you know, we've identified a use case. So I'm just thinking of it from a bank, even from your point of view, from yes. Belmont Green, right? How, how does it fit from that perspective? If we switch the lens and say, okay, right, you know, we've done the DQ, the bank have done DQ, DQ yes. it's ready, firms, plug-in, phase of data, DQ we know is a short, it's a small form, but when we when we yes. when you move on to the bigger returns of the the PREs and the LCRs and the, yes. the credit risk, you know, it's a huge amount of data. There's a huge amount of ratios in there. There's a huge amount of positions and everything. You know, before every client sends that stuff in, they they do their own checks yes. and their own due diligence mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. How does it look from a client's point of view? Yes. So you know, if yeah. you switch your hat and say, okay, well, I'm Belmont Green, I'm gonna now send the regulator this data set. Completely, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think this is a this is a great question because this really goes to the heart of one of the ways in which this program is very different from traditional regulatory engagement. Because if you think about the regulator wants to change a a, a data collection, a particular reg, reg return, they will go out there, they'll consult about it, and they'll they'll issue a policy statement, and then the change will be effective. And 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 back in a firm, obviously, you'll be you'll be monitoring this on, in terms of the horizon scanning, and you'll see that coming down the track. Yeah. You'll see the deadlines and you'll see how that's been implemented in, into the reg returns. I imagine there's, there's a lot of firms out there who've got TDC on their, their horizon scanning and they, they know that it's out there. There's been publications about it. They're wondering, well, 
what does that actually mean? When are my reg returns actually going to change and how are they going to change and what's that going to look like? And one of the key ways in which this is different is that actually because it's a joint program, we don't have any power to change regulatory returns. You know, that's a statutory power which is retained by the regulators. And as you can imagine, they're not suddenly going to give up that power <laughs> to an industry body. <laughs> of course not. They couldn't, you know, from a, from a statutory perspective. So, sure. so it has to go through this cycle of recommendation and response. So the, 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 the recommendations that we came up with on phase one the short term, the immediate recommendations were all non-statutory recommendations. So it was about the way that information was presented in two firms. So if you're if you're a firm which is required to fill out Form DQ, which is typically only the larger banks at the moment, what you will see where, when that's implemented in in July, and we've had had an update that says that 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 is on track for that to be implemented in July, is that when you go on the website after July, you will see a better, more easier to follow set of explanations for what is required in Form DQ. So if you've been submitting Form DQ quarter after quarter and, and not had any issues with it, you might not even go on the website, yeah. you know, necessarily. But you might go on there, on there and see that it's changed. And we're not actually changing any rules at, the, at this stage. Of course, down the road, the rules may change. And, and of course, they would have to change if we're going to actually transform data collection. But they'll change as part of a response. To, to a recommendation. So let's suppose, you know, we, we made a recommendation that instead of collecting data in one particular way, so for example, in a template way that we should have more granular data, we would make that recommendation. That would then go to the regulator. The regulator would then consider it. And if it accepted it, it would then go through the normal process of then changing their regulatory returns. So they would, they would obviously have to go through their consultation, yeah. industry consultation, policy making, yeah. uh, et cetera, in order to, to implement that. So it's a very different process from what people are used to in, in terms of that, in terms of sort of normal regulatory horizon scanning. And that illustrates how this is something which is going to take longer than, than people are used to. They're not suddenly, you're not suddenly going to see a whole load of regulatory reporting changes affecting people on the ground, on the front line next year as a result of TDC. But it is something that I would expect in three, four, five years time to result in quite significant impacts on reg reporting staff going forward, but obviously they will see those in the detail implementations, which will go through the normal consultation and policy process. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the July deadline is quite, that's impressive actually to get the DQ up there and. Well, that, that, that was what we said last year is we, we yeah. said, you know, particularly with the 10 year program, it's really important to have something that was solid, delivered, real, that people could see, yeah. and even if it's not, well, well, we're not expecting something to move the dial. We're not expecting something to make a substantial impact on regulatory reporting in year one. That's not the objective. The objective is to have something out there which is delivered and live in, in that first year. The FCA actually have done it already. So they, they've, they've delivered their first return in January this year. So that's something called CCR007. So they've got that out. And then DQ is coming is, is due to deliver the first changes in, in July so on track in line with the response. Yeah, so there is an onus on the firms then to really get their data sorted as well internally to make sure that their data is in. A, is there and it's not manual and it's not off, off some files in a paper drawer somewhere. It's actually in a system, some sort of format or standard. Absolutely. And I mentioned at the beginning that there's a lot of new technologies there. There's a lot of new new, new data practices which are good will be good to to for, for the data transformation program to leverage off and that will result in the, the two aims of the program are basically on the one hand the regulators get the data they need 
So that means the quality they need, the granularity they need, et cetera, et cetera, at that lowest cost to the industry. And one of the key things going forward that's been identified is the importance of data standards. So if you have clearly defined data standards that says, you know, if I'm talking about X or Z field, you know, this is what I mean. This is how it should be categorized. This is how it should be formatted, et cetera, et cetera. If that's something which is done across the regulatory reporting landscape, what that immediately means is that the data quality goes up for the regulators, the consistency of that data goes up for the regulators. And it means that actually the regulators can implement new regulatory returns quicker as well. On the firm side, if you're actually storing your data natively in those formats already, it means that you've got much less to do in terms of transformation, in in terms of, of interpretation. One of the big things that's come across as a, as a pain point is the amount of interpretation that's required when you've got a new reg return. Actually, all of your new reg returns are created with respect to existing data standards, which firms are already know, they're already familiar with. That just makes the whole process so much easier for everybody. And what we're really keen to do, and we're not, not at that stage yet, because we haven't yet defined those data standards and, and what those are, but what we're really keen to do is to get firms as well to engage with this process and to look at their own systems and look at how that data is, is stored and managed internally. Because if, if firms can then change that to align with these, with these new data standards as they come through, it just makes every, everyone's lives easier, both at the firm side and also at the regulatory side. And we're very confident that that investment will, will, will pay off. Yeah, there's always a cost benefit, right? Hundred percent. And and I think that's the is seeing the tangible results changes from perspectives, right? It becomes more of a. I I think every firm at the moment is going through a process of yes, we need to look at our data, we need to look at the standards. Interpretation is 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 a really good point. It's it's always one of the same same question as that keeps coming up. You know, how do you interpret this? I, I interpret this rule regulation to be like this, whereas yourself could interpret it to be something else. And Indeed. that's, I think, yes. the, the biggest hurdle at the moment. Yes, data and interpretation. Yes, yeah. You did mention on the, at the conference about a data standards report from yes. EY. Yes, um, that's right, yes. Well, what should we, I know you to come out soon. Yes, so there's been a, f- a few conversations at the Data Standards Committee already about it. We, we've we've seen, seen the draft and hot off the press, I can, I can say <laughs> that it, it's going to be published very, very imminently. I think it's going to be a really important report in terms of the future of the of the, the TDC program and, and, and how that works. I mean, data standards from the beginning has been identified as one of the key things that, that transforming data collection can do. So, so greater use of data standards by regulators in, the, in their reporting, in their reg reporting requirements is going to have a lot of benefits, as I said, both for regulators and, and for firms. But what's not happened is that we've not had a way of operationalizing this. So how do we define data standards? How do we how do we say which data standards we're talking about? And this is what the EY report does. So 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 they did an online exercise on on a platform called CogniStreamer, and that was a public exercise it involved input from more than a, more than a hundred individuals, I believe, for, for Meg yeah. contributed to that process as well. And there were a lot of ideas about what is what are the benefits of, of data standards? How does it all work from a from a regulatory point of view? And and how could it be? implemented into the TDC program. And the, the, the ideas that are, that are coming out, I mean, there's, there's a lot of debate about the ideas. These aren't, aren't what you might call no-brainers. They aren't definitely going to happen. Let, let's see what, firstly, what the, what the final report says, but how the, how the committee responds to it, whether it endorses the conclusions or whether, or whether it amends those. 
and and then of course what the regulators do because because ultimately as as I explain whatever the industry recommends it's still up to the regulator to then either do it or not do it yeah and um, the 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 idea that that the big idea that the EY report is proposing is that within TDC you, you have a a permanent committee which is set up a permanent body which is set up and their role would be to to adopt new data standards which will be used for for regulatory reporting so that's 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 a big idea yeah it, it is it is controversial i think there's a number of key questions to be to be asked about that i think at the beginning i think there's it's worth saying there's a lot of data standards out there already and actually if if you create another set of data standards just for uk regulatory reporting is that actually getting us where we want to go either from the point of view of of the cost efficiencies for firms or indeed for the data quality for the for the, for the regulators so I mean, personally, I'm I'm more in favour of something which is more about endorsing existing standards, you know, rather than creating new standards. There's a lot of good standards out there. You think about things like the ISO standards, mm. currency codes or country codes or yeah. NAIC codes or, or, or all those all those different things. Things like LEIs. So on, on the data transmission side, you've got things like XML, FBML, and and, and so on. And in terms of Data layers, so standard data reports. You've got all sorts of different things like the ICMA bond data and and the Bank of England mortgage data tape. So all sorts of areas where there's existing standards out there, which I think if the if the TDC could effectively endorse them and and rally round them and then persuade the regulators to to more widely adopt them, I think that's something that would certainly be a step forward and that would give significant benefits to firms, to the industry, and to the regulators. Whether that needs to go as far as actually creating new standards, I'm I'm a little skeptical, because the other the other element is about funding. You know how do you how do you pay for something? If yeah. you, if you think about something like ISO or the IFRS Foundation, you know these are big organisations with big permanent staff. Yeah, we don't have that in in TDC. If you obviously one option would be to set something like that up in in TDC, but you know, that's going to have cost implications. Is that going to be industry funded? Is that going to be regulator funded? I'm not sure how that would work. Hence, again, why if it's if it's simply an endorsement process, again, that's a much simpler process that doesn't need as much in the way of, of resourcing. Yeah, I mean, data standards, having a common data standards is, will help everyone, right? I mean, from a from a vendor point of view as well. Absolutely, it's, yes. uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, yeah. makes everyone's lives easier if we know we're off the same hymn sheet. Actually, one one point, and we look at all the changing regulation that's happening yeah. in the next you know eighteen months. You know, we've got Basel three point one, yes. strong and simple. With all that changing, is that I you know are you having to keep on top of all that, or you, is there a program to, or are we just saying right, okay, let's just let that stabilize before we tackle all that, or you know how is that kind of? That's a really it? great point. I mean, what one of the one of the key things we're finding in terms of when when we look at cost and costs and benefits of all of this. Is, is that if, if there's a change that's happening already, if we can get in at that time and, and implement these ideas when that change is happening, then the cost actually is fairly minimal because, of course, firms have got to do it anyway. So they've already got to set up a project. They've already got to, yeah. got, got, got to make various changes. So if they're simply making one change versus a different change, well, in some cases, it's actually cost negative. So, so if, yeah. if, if, a, if, you're, if you're using a data standard, which is, is already present, if you're reducing the amount of, it of, of, of interpretation that's required or, or providing additional interpretive guidance, so, so reducing the time that's required for that. So that can be a very efficient way of doing things. 
one of the reasons why we have the legacy data landscape that we have is because actually going back to a return, which is already live and already in production and making changes to that, actually a lot of firms don't really welcome that mm. because you're, you're, you're having to, to, okay, maybe it's quite complex producing that return at the moment, but at the end of the day, if you've really worked out how to do that and you've really got the systems which is up and running to do that, sure. you, you'll know from a, from a, a reg tech perspective, it's sort of already done. You've already spent that money. Those, those yep. are already sunk costs. So you don't necessarily help people by making those changes to old returns. But the benefits really is if you can get in and, and change those new returns. And that's why all of the things that you, that you mentioned, including Strong and Simple and, and Basel 3.1, any new, new changes which are, which, are, which are coming in as, as part of that, if we can, can design those along these new principles, that, that would be a better way of doing that going forward. Lastly, how do firms get involved? I know, I know there's been town halls, which I think that's, that's been important. The, the recent town halls have provided greater visibility on what's happening. But from a firm perspective, and if I look at it from some of our clients or you know, from, you, from yourself, I'm hearing 10 years, right? I can worry about that. You know, it's like, I can worry about that later. Yeah. But actually, I'm guessing you'd want firms to get involved. Now, as a vendor, we're involved. Yeah. How would you encourage people to get involved? Or, and what's their benefit as well? And what can they do? Well, it's a, it's a joint program. So, so it's been set up as a joint program. And I, and I have to say, you know, I've been, I've been liaising with the, with the regulator in lots of different roles. And it tends to be one of, one of sort of three things. Either, either there's a change going on and you need to understand that change or from a firm perspective, it, typically if there's, if there's some concerns that they've got and, that, yeah. and, and, and they're wanting to, to, to respond to you or there's some kind of consultation and you're responding as part of that. So, so that tends to be the way that people interact with the regulator. I have to say my personal experience is this model is very, very different in the sense that they're genuinely interested in what the industry has to say. And obviously, in order for it to be effective, it needs people from the industry to, to come along and, and get involved and, and give their views. And certainly my experience is that, is that they, the regulators, both of them, have been very, very responsive, very, very interested in what people have to say. There's a lot of expertise among yeah. firms in terms of understanding how things work at the front line, on the ground, in terms of the the practical implementation of regulatory reporting. How can people get involved? Well, all sorts of different ways. At one extreme, you, you, have, you have people who are seconded to actually work full-time on, on the TDC program. So we have a number of staff who are typically from the, from the larger firms yeah. who are working there at the moment. And then there are people who are involved part-time on various committees, on various advisory groups, and they do various surveys as well in terms of when they're looking at specific returns. So I really, really encourage anybody who, who wants to get involved, please do get in touch. We're always interested in hearing people's views and in people letting us know what they think. So certainly either email the program, email myself, you know, really, really pleased to hear what people think in terms of what we're doing and also what we're not doing. So, so what are the things that, that people would like us to do? And then finally, I think, I think to the earlier point is really this is going to work best. If we think about data standards, this is going to work best if... This involves change, not just at the regulatory side, but also the change on the firm side. Yeah. And, and I think this, this move to having structured data sets which are aligned to data standards, all of the things which lots of firms are doing anyway, if, if people can, can, can look to see how, how that can align to the regulatory reporting and the data standards there, that's the sort of thing that I think will certainly give a lot of benefit for firms down the track. And, and this is obviously down the track in the sense of sort of five, six years time yeah. rather than now. 
But I definitely encourage firms to keep an eye out for that and see how that's going to work going forward and see what they can do to, to, to align their, their own firm's data. Fantastic. Thank you, Andrew. I, I mean, from a vendor, we're, as a vendor, we're, we're involved and we, we encourage our clients, our listeners as well, to, to get involved. I think it's, a, it's an important stage. You made some fantastic progress. I think, yeah, more people get involved. I think it'll be better for you guys as well. And everyone's, everyone's opinion, yeah. there's always someone's thinking of something that we haven't thought about or haven't seen. So yeah, 100% encourage everyone, everyone to get involved and, and get in touch. Thank you. And for me, it's been really, really generous with your, with your time and expertise to share that with the program. I really appreciate that. That's, that's made, it made a huge difference. And I think just in terms of firms, I think the other thing I would say is that just remember, you know, different firms have different perspectives yeah. and, and we're key to, to hear the full perspective across the whole range. So it's not just the big firms. It's not just the international <laughs> firms, although they, they, they're an important constituency. It's also the smaller firms because a lot of the time the issues are slightly different for smaller firms. And of course, all of the different firm types, so not just banks or building societies, but also also non-banks as well, consumer credit firms. So all regulated firms of all different types, sizes and natures. We're really keen to hear, hear from everybody and to, so that their perspectives are, are taken into consideration. Yeah, that's an important point. And I think focus all, a lot on banks at the moment mm. because banks are through that stage. They go for the regulation, they go for the change and the data side of it. And we are seeing on the other side where you've got consumer duty that's coming in as well and they're having to focus on data side. Probably they never never thought about, right? So yeah, I th- uh, yeah, you're right. You know, everyone should be really getting in touch. And like you said, it is a joint program. Yes. I emphasize on the joint side. So you, know, you guys have been open. So it's, hopefully we can propel this. Yeah. Help you out. But That's great. Okay, thank you very much. No, Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners. Thank, thank you. you. Yes.